everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 238 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're talking about how to make running work for you. And we're going to be going over some things that you need to stop doing and things that you need to start doing. If you want to be successful, if you want to avoid injury, if you want to start making progress in your running and achieve things that you're going to be proud of. This is the Real Life Runners podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so before we jump into today's episode, we have a quick reminder that the five-day running challenge is open and we are starting next week. We are starting February 7th through the 11th. We're going to be going live every day. We're going to be giving you action items every single day to help you transform your running, to help you find time to fit it all in and actually start doing the things, the right things that are going to help move you forward in your running. A lot of those things we're going to be talking about in today's episode, but Next week during the five-day running challenge, we are going to be giving you specific action items, one per day that you can start doing so that you can start seeing changes by the end of the week. If you do all five days, we will guarantee you that you will feel differently about your running by the end of the week. We want to show you our 4 R training method and show you how to make it work for you so that running can feel better, so that you can be strong, healthy, and fit, have more energy, and start to achieve the running goals that you want to achieve. So join us in our free five-day running challenge. Sign up today over at 5dayrunningchallenge.com. Now on to the episode. So today we want to talk about how to make running work for you. Yeah, and like a big broad sense of uh, let's make sure that we're doing things that we're actually supposed to be doing, that we can be the most successful when we actually head out and train. Exactly, because if you want to be a successful runner, if you want to achieve goals like running faster, running longer, maybe you want to run a longer race than you've ever run before, you want to hit a PR and run faster than you've ever run before, we want to help you start doing the right things that are going to actually move you forward. So Sometimes doing the right things means also stopping doing the wrong things. And that's how we want to start the episode. We want to help you guys understand some of the things we want you to stop doing. And then we're going to move into what we want you to start doing so that you can be successful in whatever success looks like for you. Yeah. I mean, you got to kind of like clear the palette before you can start throwing new things on there. It's not just like, oh, all the things that you're doing right now, here's seven other things you need to do. First off, we don't have that many, but also <laughs> you got to make sure that you've made space, gotten rid of the things that you shouldn't be doing. So where are we starting with? What are we getting rid of? Okay. So the first thing we want you to stop doing for you to be successful in your running and to help make running actually work for you. Number one, stop comparing yourself to anyone else that is a huge one you've got the perfect quote of comparison is the thief of joy i searched that one that is teddy roosevelt nice i'm like i know this quote who is that yeah teddy roosevelt well we always hear you know all these so there's so many quotes out there that we hear time and time again and it's funny because we usually don't actually know who they're attributed to and like even if you go on different websites some of these quotes are attributed to different people. When in doubt, Confucius. Yeah. But he did not say comparison is or a thief of joy. Always good to go with anonymous. <laughs> it's a safe choice. But it's a really valuable quote because a lot of people get very excited about their thing. And you pointed out maybe you want to run faster, longer, do a mm -hmm. race that you've never done before. 
those are all personal. I want to do a race I've never done before. I want to run faster than I have ever run. And so then you go out and you do it and you start looking around. You're like, Ooh, but I didn't do it as fast as that person. I didn't go as far as that person. And suddenly you take away any satisfaction and excitement with your own results because they weren't as good as somebody else's, Yeah. but you're not on their running journey. Yeah. I always like to tell people that you don't have to run marathons for you to be a runner. And I think that this is a commonly held misconception because a lot of times runners that get into running, you know, want to do it for better health or longevity or to get stronger, maybe to lose weight. There's lots of different reasons. And we're going to go into those later in the episode, but you get into running and you're like, okay, I'm going to actually set a goal. Right. And so for some people, right, running a 5k seems kind of out of reach. You know, it seems a little, you know, mind blowing for them to be able to complete a 5k or a 10k or a half marathon. You know, they put that half marathon, like I just would love to run a half marathon, but then they start maybe meeting other runners or maybe they join a running group or those kinds of things, or they start listening to running podcasts and people are always talking about marathons. And then all of a sudden this thing that was so exciting for them, that was such a, a big thing that they wanted to accomplish doesn't feel as fun anymore. Yeah. I think this one happens a lot like people who go couch to 5k yeah couch to 5k is a massive journey yeah like if you really think of i went from not doing anything and now i'm going to go out and complete a 5k heaven forbid you get to the starting line of the 5k and you listen to a couple people talking around you about how oh they're using this as a tune-up race for the half marathon next weekend or you know i'm fitting this in but then i'm going for a long cool down because i got a marathon coming up they're looking way past this thing and suddenly it takes away any of the excitement of that race itself self and that doesn't mean that other people aren't out there racing and that it's a big thing for anybody that wants to make that race a big thing for them right and this is what we want you guys to understand is don't compare yourself to other people like if you have a goal for yourself if you've set this thing in mind for you it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. It doesn't matter that someone's using that as a tune-up race. It doesn't matter that there are going to be people at that 5K that maybe finish in half the time that you do. It doesn't matter. What matters is your goal and your journey because your running journey is unique and it's different from every other runner on the planet. And what matters is that it brings you joy. You know, I think that there's a difference between um, – competition and comparison, right? Some friendly competition versus comparison or from um, allowing competition to make you feel bad about yourself. You know, I think that when we compare ourselves to other people, and this goes back, of course, to our thoughts about it, right? We can compare ourselves to other people and think that other people are further ahead of us. And that means that we are therefore less than, right? We can make comparison actually make us feel bad or we can use comparison as inspiration. We can compare ourselves to other people that maybe are a little further ahead than us and use that as a form of inspiration and be like, well, if they can do it, I can do it, right? Like, so if, if you look at it that way, if you choose to compare yourself to other people that way, it can be a helpful tool. Yeah, the, the positive aspect of comparison can definitely show up. But you also brought up friendly competition, appropriate friendly competition. I mean, when I was competing in high school, I don't know if friendly was exactly what we would say against the teams that we were referring to as rivals, but we would go one week against them and, you know, it was a very close race or maybe we'd lose to them. And the next 
next week we would come back and battle the same group of runners on our team against the same group of runners on them and beat them the next week. Mm -hmm. And it, it was like, okay, well, they beat us last Wednesday. We better make sure that we step up our game for the next Wednesday. And you're not doing crazy physical things from one week to the next. You just have to bring a little greater focus and try and tap into a little bit more of what you're capable of. That's kind of where that comparison can lead towards a positive. Well, I think that the friendly competition would be the people within your own team. Yes. Right? Like if within your own team, I'm sure there was some change, like position changes on the team as well. Like maybe one day you're in third on the team, maybe the next race you're in fifth on the team because you have a bad race and somebody else has a really good race. That's when competition can be a really friendly thing, right? Because that's kind of the idea I was talking about when you use competition to elevate the whole field. Like I know that some of my running buddies that are a little bit faster than me, I'm not per se competing with them, but I do use them as like tools for me to push myself, right? Like I don't want to get too far away from that person or what if I actually was able to beat that person in this race? Like I use it as a motivating factor, not like, uh, you know, competing to like beat them per se, right? Like that I'm now better than them. Like that is not how I use it. But friendly competition to use other people that may be a little bit faster than you or maybe able to run a little longer than you as a way to elevate yourself I think that's a helpful tool. But yeah. in general, when we talk about comparison, I think that a lot of negativity can come out of it. And so that's what we want you to stop. You know, So the first one is just to stop comparing yourself to anyone else and understand that your running journey is your own. Be proud of yourself. Work hard. Challenge yourself. You know, Take one step at a time. Yeah, that was a lot. A lot of cliches you had there at the end there, but they are all very <laughs> solid answers. Running is a journey, a lifelong running journey. Let's get into the second thing you got to knock out. If it doesn't out. challenge you, it doesn't change you. How about that? This is correct. I'll throw that one out there too. I believe that's your motto for our marriage. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, pushing at a medium pace or a hard pace on every single run. You got to stop that. You got to stop that. It's just going to burn you out or hurt you, or you're going to somehow manage to avoid the burnout and, and pain and, and injury, but you're going to plateau and you're going to get super frustrated. And you're like, I keep pushing. I don't know why I'm not getting any better. I know I should push harder and then that will get you either to the burnout or the injury. Somehow, eventually something's going to snap. Right. So we want you to stop pushing even at a medium pace, right? Most runners, when they go out and just go out for their normal run, their daily run, if you were to ask them on a scale of zero to 10, how hard was that run? They would tell you probably about a five, right? And so that is just kind of what most runners do, especially if they're not following a training plan or if they've never heard about, you know, that their runs should be at different effort levels or different paces or those kinds of things. So stop pushing at that medium to moderate pace on every single run. It's not going to lead to progress. It will at the beginning though. So I should say that like at the beginning, if you were a new runner, especially you will notice that you do make progress in the beginning. But like Kevin said, you're either going to reach a point where you just start to plateau and you notice that you're not getting better, or you notice that you're getting hurt, you know, and that aches and pains are 
popping up and you're going to have to take days off because things just don't feel good. And we don't want you guys to have to go through that. No, then you put up walls that don't actually exist. You can start labeling yourself like, oh, I can run, but I, I max out at five miles because then my knee acts up. And right. it, it doesn't. You just, you're probably pushing too hard all of the time. Or you haven't built up the appropriate foundation to be at that mileage yet. And you're just jumping into a plan that might be, not be right for you. Excellent. All right. So number three, what we want you to stop doing today. Number three, stop thinking that you need motivation. Okay. Motivation is a feeling. And I have a lot of people on our, inside our membership program that have said, this is the first time I've ever heard this idea. The idea that motivation is a feeling. Motivation, if we think about it, it it is a feeling. And like any other feeling, it comes and goes. It goes up, it goes down. So if you're thinking that in order to be consistent, you need motivation, then you're never going to be consistent because motivation is never consistent. There are some days we feel motivated and there are some days we don't feel motivated. There are some days that we feel happy and other days we feel sad. There are some days that we feel energized and other days we'd rather just stay in bed, right? Like we have different moods, different feelings, different emotions. And yes, we can control those feelings to an extent. And, you know, we talk about that all the time inside our membership program of like how we can actually use our thoughts to control our feelings so that we can have the feelings that we want to have. But just understanding that motivation is in fact a feeling and you don't need it in order for you to be consistent is hugely powerful. So instead of motivation, what we do need is commitment and discipline. Yeah, thinking that you have to have motivation or you can't get out the door is really uh, essentially setting yourself up for having to take off days because you were not going to have motivation every single day. So then that day pops up where you're not feeling the drive to get out the door and you're like, ah, this is it, running's not for me. So you have to avoid the part where you think that you always need to be super gung-ho and motivated, otherwise this is just not for you. That's not the case. We all have good days and bad days. We all have days that we just want to pull the covers back mm-hmm. up and not go for the run. Totally. And that's normal. Like we want you guys to understand that this is completely normal to feel this way. And that if you want to be a consistent runner, you just have to get out there and do it even on the days that you don't feel like it. And that doesn't mean that running should be drudgery and it doesn't mean that you should hate it, but we're all going to have those days. You know, there's just going to be some times that we don't feel like doing what we're supposed to do that day, you know, but We understand that in the big picture, the goals that we want to achieve are going to require that consistency and are going to require us to do those hard things even on the days that we don't feel like it. 100%. Number four, what you need to stop doing, you need to stop saying the phrase, I don't have enough time. Because you do. Because... If you want to get it done, you'll find time to get it done. We've all got the same time. That's a good, that's another solid cliche. We all have the same 24 hours in the day, except we sleep a good portion of it. And it's actually really important to sleep for a good portion of it. Still 24 hours in a day. A good healthy portion of it. Mm -hmm. But then you get to decide what to do with the rest of it. And you can't blame other things showing up as a reason to not get in a workout that day. Like you have time to do it if you want to do it. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to be going into more details on that inside our free five-day running challenge and also later in this episode. But 
uh, just another little plug here free for our free five-day running challenge. Go sign up today at fivedayrunningchallenge.com. Okay, so those are the four things we want you to stop doing today. So stop comparing yourself to anyone else. Stop pushing at a medium or even a hard pace on every run. Stop thinking that you need motivation and stop saying that you don't have enough time. We all have time and we get to choose what to do with it. Now we're going to talk about what we want you guys to start doing, okay? And these are, all these things are obviously related to the four points above and kind of helping you understand, okay, if if I'm going to stop doing this, what do I actually need to start doing? So number one, understand or start knowing why you run, okay? So why did you start running in the first place? Have you been running since high school? Have you, you know, were you a part of your high school cross-country team? Did you run in college? Have you, is this just something that you've done and haven't really thought about it since then? Or did you get into running like me later in life because you wanted to lose some weight or just get in better shape or, you know, Uh, improve your overall fitness or improve your overall health, right? There's a lot of people that get in that have like a health scare and their doctor tells them, okay, well, you better get healthy. And they're like, okay, well, I'm going to start running then, right? So why, what is the deeper reason that you run? And if you're unclear on this, there's an exercise called the five whys that I love um, helping people understand. And basically you just answer the question and at, like ask a question and answer the question five times like you're a toddler. So you say, why do you run? And then you come up with an answer and you say, well, because I want to be healthy. Why do you want to be healthy? Well, I want to live a long life. Why do you want to live a long life, right? And you do that five times in a row and so that you can actually get to a deeper reason for your running. Because once you know that deeper reason, when you know a deeper why, then you can understand that even on the days that you don't feel motivated, you need to do it because of this deeper why that you have. You know that you're not going to have better health or better fitness or weight loss or challenging yourself, whatever that deeper why is. You're not going to achieve that if you don't actually go out and run. Right. So it goes beyond motivation. You can head out the door knowing that it's what you do, that you have a bigger reason, something beyond I'm fired up and excited to go run today. It's something way beyond I'm excited to go run. It's my deep reason for going running on a consistent basis. So even on a day where it's like, well, the weather's not cooperating and I'm kind of tired and I just really, I don't feel like it. And I've got these other things going on that I'd rather do instead you need to say, oh, wait, this is actually my deep reason. This is why I do it. This is why I maintain my consistency. So you're allowed to get out there on days that you're like, "Mm, I don't really feel like going out there. Right. But you can also helping like understanding your deeper why can also help you know when it is a good idea for you to go out and do that workout, even if you don't feel like it. Or maybe it's a great time for you to check in with yourself and say, is this actually benefiting my overall health, right? Sometimes people will get into a training plan or a run streak or something like that and say, oh, well, I want to start running to benefit my health, right? And so in order for me to establish a consistent running routine, I need to do a run streak. So I'm going to run one mile every day or three miles every day, whatever that run streak is. And I'm going to do this every single day because that will help me establish consistency. And then at some point, you know, maybe that works for a while, right? And then it just becomes 
drudgery day after day after day after day, I think it's a very good time to go in and like understand, okay, well, if my deeper why is health and I'm not taking any rest days and I'm just feeling completely exhausted and burnt out, is my is this running the way that I'm running right now? Is it actually benefiting my health, right? And in some situations, the answer is no. Maybe the same thing goes with like a bigger goal, like a marathon or an ultra marathon or something like that. Is that goal actually serving your deeper why of why you started running in the first place or why you're running now, right? Because that can change also, right? Your your why for running maybe when you're younger was one thing and maybe now that you're older is a different thing. So I think it's always helpful to check in with yourself and figure out what is your why right now in this phase of your life, of this you know season that you're in, what is your why right now? Yeah, that's a really good point you make there at the end, that your why is not fixed and carved in stone somewhere. You should check in with yourself on a consistent basis of, wait, did my why change? Do I actually know my why? Because this is what I say, but I've seemed to have lost my consistency in running. So maybe that's not my why anymore. Go back in and check. Anytime you start falling off of consistency, it usually in my you know, in, in coaching people over the years and my own lack of consistency from time to time, usually because I disconnected from the why. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't listened to last week's episode yet, go back and listen to that when we do talk about consistency, because consistency just for the sake of consistency is not going to move you forward either. Right. So again, knowing that deeper why, and then asking yourself, is the way that I'm showing up right now in my running, is that still serving that deeper why? And if not, fix it, right? If, if, it's, if it's not serving your fitness, if it's not serving your health, if you're not challenging yourself, you know, set a goal. Like, you know, what is it that you need to do to kind of reconnect with that deeper why that you have? Excellent. All right. So number one, start knowing why it is that you actually go run. Number two, start making time. And this goes back to, it's, you know, the opposite of saying you don't have enough time. You can make time because there is enough time in the day to get in whatever it is that you want to put high priorities on. Like you should go through all the different aspects of your life, you know, family, health, friends, career, spirituality, all the different aspects of your life and say, how do I want to prioritize these? What value do I put at them? Can you rank them in order? Mm-hmm. And then see, like, all right, and that's a tough one. Like, oh, it's you got to be tough. really honest with yourself about. Wait, I I really value both of these things very very highly. Okay, but if you had to pick one over the other, mm-hmm. you can rank all these things, and it helps you actually set honest priorities. Right. Don't rush through that part. Like that part, I've done that before and been like, oh, I think I think that it's pretty much this. And then you're like, you can't tell if you're actually prioritizing what you think is your priority. So don't rush through that one. Go through all the different aspects of your life and rank them how they matter to you right now. Kind of like the whys, this can also move from time to time. So you should come back and regularly do this thing. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say also is that it is very helpful to do this exercise relatively frequently, you know, maybe once a year, like it's, we just started a new year. Maybe this is a really good time for you to say, okay, what are my values and priorities in my life? What do I want to spend time doing? How do I want to live my life? You know, what do I want to make a priority in my life? And like Kevin said, list them out because essentially we all have the same 24 hours. Like we know, 
but we get to choose how to spend our time, okay? And so when we know what we want to value, what we want to prioritize, then step two is take a look at your calendar and see where you're spending your time, okay? I've heard a brilliant phrase from one of my coaches, if you want to know where your priorities lie, look at your calendar and look at your bank account right? So step number two, look at your calendar and see where you are spending your time and ask yourself, does this match your, my values and my priorities? And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're spending the most amount of time in, you know, value or priority number one. It just means that you're making enough time for you to feel like you are honoring that priority, right? Because if you work full time, and you feel like you need to work full-time, maybe work is where you're spending the majority of your time when you look at all of the hours in your day and you don't or you are not spending as much time with your family. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're prioritizing work over your family. It can, but I think it's more about the quality of time that you're spending with your family because even if you don't have a ton of quantity of hours with them. If you feel like the way that you spend your time with your family when when you are with them, that you're connecting with them and that you are living into that value and that priority and you are showing up as the mom or the spouse or the sister or, you know, the the friend that you want to be, then you are honoring that value and priority, right? So time does not necessarily equal values and priorities. But when you look at your calendar, like the actual amount of time, right? But when you look at your calendar, are you making time to spend with your family? Are you making time to spend with your friends? Are you making time for your spirituality? Are you making time for your workouts? And the ratio of that is different for everybody. But are you spending your time in a way that reflects your values and priorities? I think if you look from a workout perspective on that one, it really takes that time does not necessarily equate to exactly where your priority lies. Um, one, your workout, your exercise routine encompasses a whole lot of aspects. Like you could argue that the time that you're putting into appropriate nutrition actually falls into the health of yourself. Mm -hmm. The sleep that you're putting in falls under that same idea of health. But if you look just specifically about like, all right, how much time am I putting in on a daily basis into working out? That might not be that large of a number, even if you consider a fairly high priority. Like if you're going out for a 30 minute run on a regular basis, that's a consistent exercise routine, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean just because running and exercising is a high priority does not mean that you have to be spending four hours a day on it. Absolutely. And that's, that's exactly what I mean. Like quantity of time does not equate to the value and the priority that you place on that thing. But when you look at your calendar, you know, do you see that you're running four times a week and that you're strength training a couple times a week? Like, do you see that you are actually making time for those things in your, in your day? And going back to that quote that I heard from one of my coaches, looking at your calendar and then step number three, look at your bank account, right? What are you spending your money on and does that match your values and your priorities? Are you spending money on your health? Are you spending money on your family, your friends? Are you spending money on good quality groceries because you think nutrition is important? Are you spending money on those things or are you spending money on lower priority items? And if so, is there a mismatch there? Do you want to shift some things around? Um, Because I think that that's just one of those things that 
just gives us more information because we all have the time. We just have to choose what we want to spend the time on. And the biggest way that we can do that is scheduling your workouts into your calendar ahead of time. That is one of the number one tips that I can give you if you find that you are being inconsistent in your workouts and your training. Find the time ahead of time, put them into your calendar, and then stick to it. Yeah, Vanda, that is exactly what I was going to say is if you go through and you look at your calendar and you're not sure if you actually have prioritized your running because you schedule a whole bunch of things into your into your week, into your, your month, like however you plan out your, your time, and exercise is not in there because you generally fit that in on days where you have the time, where you can find the time, what's usually going to happen is you manage to not find the time for that. Like if it's not actually on the schedule the same way as any other appointment would be, you're easily going to be able to not meet that occasion because it's not actually planned out. It If it didn't get the priority of putting it onto a list, putting it into your plan, scheduling a thing, then it, it kind of in your mind, it drops lower and lower as a priority. Even if you, when you sat down and thought about it, you would put it as a higher priority. Right, exactly. So then after you know what your why, after you make time for your workouts, then number three is you have to figure out what to do. You have to customize your plan to work for you. If you want to make running work for you, you need to start actually figuring out, okay, what is actually going to help me move ahead in my running? So we need to start that with number one, how many days per week do you want to run? Which goes all the way back to make sure you're not doing comparison is how many days do you want to run Mm -hmm. for your goals to reach your target? Not how many days do you feel like you should run? Not how many days does somebody else run and you want to be the same as them? How many days do you want to run for your personal goals? Right. And if you maybe work with a coach that tells you, well, I know you only want to run three days a week or two days a week, but we would really suggest that you run four or five days a week because you want to train for a marathon or a half marathon. That's something to keep in mind, right? And Maybe that's not something that you want to do year round, but maybe in that training cycle, when you're training for that specific race, you're willing that in order for you to achieve the goal in the best way possible, you're willing to increase the number of days that you're running because the goal is more important to you than, you know, the actual number of days that you're running or not running. Right. I mean, that goes perfect with how you generally very often train for a half marathon. Mm -hmm. Like you, you in the months, couple of months leading up to the race, add an extra running day into your schedule. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I generally like to run four days per week and I have done cycles in the past where I will add in a fifth day, but I generally pretty much like to run four. Four works for me. Four works well for my body. Four makes sure that I'm also making time for strength training and yoga and some of the other things that I want to do, which we're going to get into here in a couple of minutes. Um, but that's really important is deciding ahead of time how many days per week do you want to run. The second thing you want to think about when you're trying to customize this plan for you is what do those runs look like, right? Like we said at the beginning, stop going out and just pushing at like a medium to moderate pace or effort level every time you go out. You want to make sure that you're varying the paces that you're running throughout the week. Right. So you, the more paces you can run at, the more different ways you can train your body, the more it's going to start making different adaptations Mm -hmm. towards being a healthier version of you. So at a minimum, you want to try and find an easy pace. You want to try and find that medium pace that most people are probably doing anyway. And then you want to pace above that. You want a harder pace and work all three of those in. 
not in even proportions. This is not thirds. Most of your time should be spent at the easy pace, like the vast majority of your time at the easy pace. And then you kind of mix up between the medium and the hard so that you're making sure that you're working all sorts of systems of your body. Mm -hmm. But that medium and hard is a very small amount of your overall training plan. Exactly. So when you plan this out ahead of time and you customize a training plan that works for you, you can, you don't have to think about it every single day, right? You plan it out ahead of time. Again, same thing with like scheduling things into your calendars, scheduling your workouts, figuring out ahead of time what you're going to do, knowing your why ahead of time, prioritizing things ahead of time, right? And then that way you don't have to worry about feeling motivated or not. You just have to go out and do it because you've already made these decisions, right? So um, again, figure out what those easy runs should look like. The next thing you want to think about when you're making a training plan for that's right for you, that's going to make running work for you, is that you're strength training twice a week, okay? At least twice a week. That is what I believe. I mean, absolute minimum once a week, but I really believe that the minimum should be twice a week. But that doesn't mean that you need to be at the gym lifting heavy weights for an hour twice a week. Like these strength workouts can be simple. They can be at home. They can be no equipment with just your body weight. They can last 15 to 20 minutes and they can still be effective. But you just have to know what you're doing ahead of time. And then when it comes to it, just do it. Right. And if you're the kind of person that super loves the time at the gym and you want to go and lift the heavy stuff, do it. go for it. Like you can do that. If that's where your priority is, then you're like, oh, but I also want to make sure that I'm running. Okay. But you got to make sure you know your priorities. Is it the strength? Is it the, is it the running? If you're looking to aim to run your fastest and farthest, strength training needs to be part of that training plan, but it should not be the primary ingredient if you're trying to run farther than you've ever run before. Right. But if we are going back to our idea of like different training cycles, right? Like we can talk about having a strength cycle where you are focusing more on building strength. And then during a race training cycle, you're focused on maintaining that strength and maybe adding mileage or you're focusing on speed or building mileage or whatever it might be. Um, So that's important to kind of know the purpose of your training cycles as well, which taps back into your why. Yeah, it's kind of a more superficial why. It's not your super deep why. It's your why am I specifically running? What's the point of this workout? Right. That's, that's always important also. Oh, I get the next one. Super important thing to put onto your plan. <laughs> you like jumped in before I could come in. Oh, I'm ready for this one. <laughs> Schedule in a rest day. Yeah. You need this during the week, okay? It has to happen so that your body is able to actually recover from everything else that you do. You don't get faster and stronger on the days that you push really hard. You get faster and stronger on the days that you recover from pushing hard. Yes. Your body needs the recovery and the rest to actually make those adaptations and build back stronger than it was before. So at least one rest day per week. Um, You might want to add two. Again, this depends on a lot of different factors like your experience, how hard you're training. If you're doing double days, you know, There are some people that want two rest days and so they double up their training on other days where they're doing a run and a strength workout on the same day. That would be a good idea then to take a rest day following something like that to allow your body to fully recover. So that can um, vary like it every, you know, all of these things can vary between individuals, but that's definitely something you need to keep in mind. Um, And then finally, add in some cross training. If there are other activities that you like, and you want to incorporate, right? Is cross training 
100% necessary? It depends on what you consider cross training. Okay. I think that that's the first thing that Good we answer. have to, you know, really, you know, if you're a runner and you want to train for a marathon, does it require you to go swimming or biking? No, it doesn't. Do you like those things and you'd like to incorporate different ass, you know, um, lower intensity cardio into your weekly routine? Sure. You can do that too, right? So I think that it's really a matter of if you love it, then do it. Figure out a way to incorporate that into your plan safely. Don't just like get a training plan from a coach or from the internet or wherever you want to get your training plan and then just start adding a bunch of things on top of that, right? Because that can quickly lead to burnout, to injury, to those kinds of things. Like you get this plan, you're like, okay, yep, this is my plan. And then you're also going to bike an hour a day. And then you're also going to go on a 10 mile hike over the weekend. Like there are other things that if you want to incorporate them, put them into your training plan. So especially if you're working with a coach, if you're working with a coach, let that coach know all the things that you like to do. All the things. So that the coach can like, A, coach you on those things, right? Like understand that, okay, these, these things are negotiable. These things are non-negotiable, right? These are really important to me. I really love going on three-hour hikes on the weekend with my spouse. Okay, cool. That's something that's really important to you because if you have a coach that's going to tell you, well, you shouldn't do that because it's marathon training and you're like, well, that kind of sucks and like that automatically makes you not feel good about your training plan, then that's a problem, right? You need to make running work for you in your life with your goals and your lifestyle. A coach can suggest, you know, hey, Maybe that's not the best way to spend your time on Sunday instead versus like resting or whatnot. But you can say, well, this is really important to me. Then your coach should help you incorporate that safely so that you don't just do it kind of behind their back and then end up overtrained. Yeah, no. Communication between athlete and coach is super important. Yeah. Um, I've got a specific cross-training example on this one. One of the best milers in U.S. history, Alan Webb. He was a big swimmer all through high school, Mm -hmm. and his high school coach then became his professional coach. But before that, he went off to Michigan and was working out with a coach there, and it didn't go as smoothly. He made this transition. People were like, oh, well, he just couldn't transition from high school-level training to college-level training. That was the issue, and that wasn't it. His college coach didn't want him swimming. And so then when he went back and was working with his high school coach, he put him back on the swim routine and it was all of the cross training and all of the like extra work and extra like stability exercises that he was doing simply from swimming so many, so much during the day mm-hmm. that kept him injury proof. Uh-huh. So the, he had his greatest success when he was working with a coach that was like, oh yeah, he loves to swim. So we just put him in the pool and we count that as part of his overall cardio fitness. Yeah, exactly. And as long as you're incorporating those things into the plan and, and kind of keeping all of everything balanced in a way that's good for the athlete, then it's fantastic, right? Like I really like yoga. And so I like to do yoga at least once a week. And that's an important part for me to put into my plan. There are some people that love long bike rides and those kinds of things. So find what works for you, because if you love it, you're going to be more consistent about it. You're going to be more excited about it. It's going to help you feel good during your training. And when all of that works, then guess what? Running is going to work for you a whole lot better.
So we hope that this was a helpful episode for you guys. Please come find us over on Instagram at Real Life Runners and send us a DM. I would love to answer any running questions that you have or just say hi and support you on your running journey as well. And like we mentioned at the beginning, we have our free five-day running challenge February 7th through the 11th. You can find that over at 5dayrunningchallenge.com and get yourself signed up today. As always, thank you for spending this time with us. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 238. Now get out there and run your life.